Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, college football is back. It has been over seven months since I recorded a college football DFS podcast, and I could not be more excited to get back on here today and talk college football with you guys. Week zero is coming up this Saturday, and DraftKings has gone ahead and put out their salaries for the week zero contest, and so we have got the ability now to go ahead and take a look at the salaries, take a look at the situations, and figure out how we are going to construct our DFS lineups for week one. We are going to break down the DraftKings pricing today. We're going to break down each position, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, and go over how you should build your DFS lineups this week, whether you are new or experienced in playing DFS college football. We're going to break down the entire slate and just kind of give you the whole landscape of what you can expect to see in college football DFS for these week zero contests. Now, if you missed our college football season preview, um, we did not put that one on YouTube. It's audio only, but check that out in the podcast feed. We go over our best futures, um, win totals, conference champions, and as well as the Heisman Trophy winner, um, joined by a special guest on that one. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. You'll be notified when all of our weekly college football and golf content drops. But enough with the introduction. Let's go ahead and take a look at this week zero slate. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so before we begin our look at the college football DFS salaries on DraftKings for Week 0, let's go ahead and take a look at this juicy Week 0 slate of games, see if we can identify ourselves some games that might feature a lot of scoring. Because in college football DFS, it's all about points. It's all about points getting put on the board, right? So why play guys that are in games that aren't going to feature a lot of points being scored? I've never understood that. So let's take a look at these games and see if there are any games that might be lucrative for us to target for this slate, games that we want to get a lot of exposure to and a lot of our guys involved. In. Well, the top scoring projected top scoring game of the night is San Jose State at USC. The total in that one is currently 64 and a half and USC is 30 point favorites. Now that total of 64 and a half is highest on the slate by six points. And with USC being 30 point favorites, that means the implied total score is about 48 to 18 more or less. Um, so um, that is just kind of how that one is shaking up. That might be the number one game you might want to target. USC is projected to be the highest scoring team on the slate. Now, the second highest total on the slate is FIU versus Louisiana Tech. That one has a total of 58.5, and Louisiana Tech is 10.5 point favorites in this one. Now, the implied score is about 34 to 24 in favor of Louisiana Tech. However, last year, these two teams played, and it was an absolute shootout. FIU won 42 to 34, 76 total points scored in that one. So, definitely. Two games that we want to get a hold of there with San Jose State USC and FIU Louisiana Tech. Worth noting, last year, Hawaii and Vanderbilt also played in Week 0 in 2022, and that one was an absolute blowout. Vanderbilt scored 63 points in that one, um, so that is something worth noting as well. All right, so now... Let's go ahead and dive into the DraftKings salaries and start talking about how we might want to build our lineups for this five-game slate. So here's the first thing that i got to get out of the way. When it comes to playing college football DFS on DraftKings, college football DFS is like one of the last few DFS sports where there is an edge. You, by watching this video, are going to probably know more than at least 60 to 70% of the people who are playing in these college football DFS contests. 
um, you're going to see probably five to ten percent of lineups that are going to be played on DraftKings this weekend are going to be drawing dead because they're going to play somebody who's not going to start because it's week zero and you know people just look at the salaries and they assume oh this guy's here he's going to play he's the third receiver like no it doesn't always work out like that so by watching this video you are giving yourself an edge because we're going to go over who the starters are who the best plays are and kind of how your lineup should build out so First off, let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback position. So you got defending, reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams sitting at the very top of this slate at $9,900, and for good reason why. He was one of the best players in college football DFS last season. Everybody knows who Caleb Williams is. So Caleb Williams is going to be in everybody's lineup this week. Like He is going to be one of the most popular plays of the season. If I had to guess, he's probably going to be in tournaments probably 50 to 60% owned. In cash games, I would say he's even going to be more higher owned than that. Now, does that mean that I'm sitting here saying that you should not play Caleb Williams? No, that is not what I'm saying. College football DFS, you can find individually low-owned plays so that way you can still play the high-owned guys and still be okay. You know, you don't want to play all the high-owned guys. You don't want to have every player in your lineup be super high-owned, but you can get away with playing a little bit of chalk in college football DFS just because there's usually so many options and so many ways around it with how you can construct your lineup. So Caleb Williams sitting there at $9,900. Is he worth playing? Well, Let's talk about it for this reason. Last year, he was just incredible. He won the Heisman Trophy, right? He scored over 29 fantasy points in all but three games last season, which is 11 out of 14. And in blowouts, which this one is projected to be, they're 30 and a half point favorites, he averaged 32 fantasy points per game. I would be okay with 32 fantasy points per game out of Caleb Williams at that price tag of $9,900. That's all right with me. So I'm absolutely okay with playing Caleb Williams. Um, am I probably going to play all of my lineups with Caleb Williams? No, I'm going to look to get a little bit different. But if you're somebody who is playing one lineup or playing cash games, Caleb Williams, he's, he's probably going to find his way into your lineup. Now, next up on the board... For starting quarterbacks is A.J. Swan. He is currently the listed starter for Vanderbilt. And as I mentioned earlier, they won this game against Hawaii 63-10 last year. And in that game, A.J. Swan played primarily as a backup. Um, but normal starting quarterback last year, Mike White, had 43 DraftKings points in that game. He ran for over 160 yards in that game against Hawaii. So um, if A.J. Swan, who is not a a mobile quarterback, if he is able to kind of reproduce that against Hawaii, he's going to probably be doing it through the air as opposed to running. Um, but, you know, knowing that Vanderbilt is one of the highest projected scoring teams of the slate, knowing that A.J. Swan had some good games last year when he filled in as a starter, he's definitely a playable quarterback this year. And I think you're probably going to see not a lot of ownership on A.J. Swan because I think a lot of people are going to opt to play Caleb Williams as their first quarterback and then at the super flex spot play much cheaper quarterbacks. So I definitely think you're going to see a little bit of an ownership pinch on A.J. Swan. Now, Diego Pavia is the starter for New Mexico State. He's another guy that we got to talk about. So against UMass last season, he scored 21 fantasy points, which is not bad. It, when you look at just games that he started, that's it, about on par with his season average. Um, but you know, 21 fantasy points, that's nothing to write home about, but it's something that we would be okay with out of our starting quarterback. Um, he finished the season really strong last year, though. He finished the season with 54, 40, and 20 fantasy points in his last three games. He's a guy that he can 
he runs the ball quite a bit. In those three games, he ran the ball a total of 35 times um, for over 200 yards. So, you know, you're looking at a guy who is going to do a lot of damage with his legs. That gives you a lot of upside in college football DFS. And so I really like Diego Pavia as a very high upside play for this slate. And like I said, same thing with AJ Swan. I think a lot of people are going to opt to go Caleb Williams up top. And, you know, those two guys are probably going to get squeezed out and not have a lot of ownership. So I think they make for really solid plays. Now, Chavon Cordero is San Jose State starting quarterback heading against USC. Now, he averaged 26 fantasy points per game last season with three games being over 30. Um, So not bad by Cordero, right? Like he had a very productive season last year for the Spartans. And his season low, though, was 13 fantasy points against Auburn. That's kind of concerning for me because it's like the one game that he had against Power 5 competition. He didn't play well. But the thing is, is USC's defense is not Auburn's defense. USC's defense last year was pretty bad. Now, they hit the portal pretty hard, and they got a lot of guys to come in and try to improve that defense. But every team scored 14 real points against USC last year. So you got to figure if San Jose State is getting to at least 14, like, you know, you're looking at at least one touchdown from Cordero. Um, and I think he's not a bad option. I think he's a pretty good contrarian option. Or if you want to kind of um, – onslaught the San Jose State and USC game and play both quarterbacks from it. I don't think that's a terrible plan. Um, So I definitely think he's a playable option as well. Um, There's a few guys further down the board that we do have to talk about, though. Um, First of which is Grayson James. So he is projected to be FIU starter. Um, He took the field with the first team in their last scrimmage. Um, I'm not going to guarantee he's going to be their starter, but he figures to be that guy. Um, But he was really good last year against Louisiana Tech. In that game, he scored 30 fantasy points. So um, you got to figure if he scored 30 fantasy points against them last year, he can probably do the same again this year. John Maiden and Curtis Rourke are the last two I want to talk about. So John Maiden is the starter for San Jose State, and he finished the season really strong with over 20 fantasy points in each of his last four games. Um, And he's a guy who can give you that rushing upside as well. Um, He had a few solid performances rushing last year. Um, I would not have a problem playing Jalen Maiden. I believe I called him John Maiden. Um, I would not have a problem playing Jalen Maiden at all, Um, especially at his price tag. You know, you're looking at a price tag for Maiden where – Um, He only has to score like about over half of what you would get out of, you know, Caleb Williams just to hit value. Um, And so I I think definitely what you're going to see is a lot of people that are going to opt to play Caleb Williams and then pay down to Maiden or to pay down to Maiden's opponent, which is Curtis Rourke. And so Curtis Rourke was a super productive player last year for Ohio. He tore his ACL near the end of the season, but he is supposed to be back for week one. If he is not back, then um, C.J. Harris is Ohio State's backup who would probably figure to start that game. He was more of a runner than Curtis Rourke was, um, but Rourke was better last year when they played, like objectively speaking. Rourke would be a really solid play if he's active. And so, like really, I would have no problem playing Maiden or Rourke. I'd have no problem playing Maiden and Rourke if you want to get different. Um, But like I said, I really do expect a lot of people out there to play Kayla Williams and then play one of the cheaper players at the quarterback position. So that is the breakdown for the quarterback position. Now, before we move on to running backs, let's go ahead and talk about where you can find more out of me. If you want to know um, more of my thoughts on this slate, you know, this is the Sunday before 
you know, a Saturday. So there's a lot of things that are going to transpire before this slate starts. Follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'll be tweeting out some thoughts and picks. I always do the rundown for every college football DFS slate there is also. I will also talk about individual players, lineups, questions, you know, 2v2s, whatever. I'll talk about any of that stuff in the Fantasy Corner Discord. There's a lot of good guys in there that know a lot about DFS. Link is in the description on YouTube. Join that if you want to get in on that conversation. And then also, I write a full-fledged article every week to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Now, I don't write for free, but I write a full-fledged article where I discuss ownership, my official plays, the guys who I narrow it down to for my core and my player pool and why. Um, and you get that article every week for NFL and college football if you go to patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, enough about the quarterbacks. Let's go ahead and talk about some running backs. All right, so for this slate, when it comes to the running back position, we've got to start the discussion with the USC running back room. So I think this is one of the more harder situations to predict because they've got two thoroughbreds back there. They've got two really good running backs, and unfortunately for us, they're both placed really highly on DraftKings. So I'm not sure how interested I'm going to be to play in either of them. Yes, USC is projected to score 48 points, but I don't know what to make of this situation yet, and I'm probably going to prefer to just sit and wait and find out. So you've got Austin Jones there, who is kind of the incumbent. He was really good last year when filling in for Travis Dye. Um, he averaged 20.5 fantasy points in the last four games of the season when, or I'm sorry, in the last five games of the season when he was filling in for Travis Dye. Um, and so when he was the full-time starter, he was really good. But is he going to be the full-time starter? And so Marshawn Lloyd transferred from South Carolina to USC. He went from the fake USC to the real USC, in my opinion. Um, you know, that's kind of a joke because a lot of people call South Carolina USC. But when you, somebody says USC to me, I think of the Trojans. Anyway, so he's transferring from South Carolina to Southern Cal. And he was like the lead back last year. For South Carolina. And he was pretty good when he was active until he got hurt near the end of the season. And so I kind of don't know if Marshawn Lloyd is going to go there and kind of, you know, overtake Austin Jones. Austin Jones was not really like the starter entering last season. So I don't really know what to make of that situation. And so I'm totally fine with just avoiding it unless we get some information from Lincoln Riley or otherwise that just clearly indicates, hey, one guy is the starter and this is who it is. Um, unless I get that, I'm probably just avoiding it altogether because I think they're really expensive for what you know you could be getting a part-time player. Now, Sia Bangura from Ohio is the top running back option on the slate, in my opinion. So he went for at least 12 fantasy points in every game he played last season, except for Iowa State. Well, guess what? San Jose State defense, they're generally pretty good, but they're not Iowa State good. So I think that this is a guy who is going to be able to run over you know, this defense like he did all the defenses in the MAC last season. He also had a big time workload. You know, He averaged um, almost 20 carries a game by the end of the season. And he also was used in the passing game as well. He averaged about two catches a game. So what that means is even though San or Sandy, San Diego State, I was about to say San Jose State, even though San Jose State, Dang it, I messed it up again. Even though San Diego State is favored against Ohio, Sia Bangura, through his use in the rushing and the receiving games, should be able to score a lot of fantasy points, and he is my top running back play on the slate. Yeah, I messed it up, but I think I was able to bring it back. Anyway, looking down the board, Shamari Lawrence is listed as the starter from everywhere that I can see online about FIU. Um, Lexington Joseph um, is injured currently, so... Um, 
actually, he might not be injured. He might just be, you know, forced to sit out for whatever reason. But Shamari Lawrence is currently the starter. But the problem is they're not a very run-heavy team. Even Lexington Joseph last year when he started, who was apparently better than Shamari Lawrence last season, um, only averaged nine carries a game. Um, so Shamari Lawrence did finish the season fairly strong, though, with 14 carries um, in his last game, as well as five receptions in that game. So maybe the workload might be there, but I, I kind of would – you know, be okay going elsewhere. He's a little more uh, expensive on the price tag than I would prefer to pay. However, at the running back position on this slate, there's not a whole lot of like super locked in starters. And so Shamari Lawrence is one of them. And so for that reason, he's got to be like a guy that you would consider playing just because he is one of those guys who is pretty much locked into a starter role. Now, Kyrie Robinson of San, Diego, or San Jose State intrigues me um, because we saw the running backs near the end of last season absolutely tear apart the USC Trojan defense. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson at Utah in the Commerce Championship game, and then Tajay Spears at Tulane in the bowl game just absolutely ripped them apart. And I could see Kyrie Robinson doing the same, but at the same time, like USC did try to improve this defense through the portal. Like they, they didn't just settle with a bad defense. And so Kyrie Robinson is the starter for San Jose State. He does average a decent amount of carries. He averaged about 11 per game last year, which in college football is not bad. And so I'm kind of willing to give Kyrie Robinson a shot, especially if you're considering either stacking or double stacking the, the um, San Jose State USC game. Now, Marquise Crosby of Louisiana Tech has already been declared out for this game. So it figures to be Charvis Thornton that is going to be the starter for the Bulldogs. And I don't really know what to make of that because, you know, we don't really have a huge sample size of him to go on. He was decently effective last year um, in limited usage, but it was limited usage. There are a few other guys in the backfield as well, including Tyree Shelton, who's a Miami, Ohio transfer. Um, and then you also have Keith Willis, who could also play a factor there as well. Um, but it does appear from everything I can read that Thornton's going to be the first one out and it could end up being a committee after that, but Thornton is probably the guy who's technically going to get the start. I think that's a pretty viable role. Uh, Marquise Crosby scored uh, 27 fantasy points against FIU last season, so you got to figure who, whatever running backs in that situation this time could be able to put up a similar total for points. Now, the last situation that we got to talk about is Vanderbilt. So, when it comes to Vanderbilt, we know that they are huge favorites over Hawaii, right? But their running back room is in flux, which is kind of a problem because he, like this is probably the situation where you would most want to play a running back, right? Like, you know, they're huge favorites, a team that they rolled over last year. They're going to be looking to take the lead and grind the clock out and give a lot of carries to a lot of backs, right? But the problem is we don't know which backs it's going to be. So we're looking at a situation here where Clark Lee has came out and said, hey, we're going to use a committee this year. And... We don't really know how it's going to play out, but here's what we do know. Everything I can find online, Cedric Alexander is listed as the starter. He's a true freshman. He's super talented, and he's $3,700 on DraftKings, and if he ends up being the starter, that could be one of the value plays of the slate, uh, and I definitely think he's worth taking a chance on. He's not a guy that I would play in like a cash game format because, you know, like I said, this is going to be a committee. We don't know how these carries are going to shake out, but he's definitely viable because of his price tag and because of the fact that he might be the first running back out for this 
group. Now, Chase Gillespie is actually listed as the second running back everywhere I can find. And, you know, he was only active at the start of last season for Vanderbilt, but he did look good when he was active. Um, and so he might be a guy worth rostering as well. And then you have Patrick Smith, who, you know, had the most carries out of any returning Vanderbilt back. Um, and so he'll probably figure into the equation somehow as well. But like I said, every indication that I can see online says, yes, it will be a committee, but it has Alexander, then Gillespie, then Smith. So that could be a situation to look at as well. If I didn't mention the team's running backs here in this this uh, section, uh, then that means I'm really just not interested in them this week, whether, you know, because of the unclarity of the situation or just, you know, the kind of situation the team's in, I'm kind of willing to pass on the other teams here this week. All right, so let's go ahead and switch it on over to wide receiver position. So at the top of the board, you've got a very difficult wide receiver room to figure out for USC. Um, you've got Dorian Singer, who is, you know, a transfer from Arizona who was really good last year. And he was probably their second best last year, wide receiver last year behind Jacob Cowling. But he was a guy who was very productive, had a lot of good games for the Trojans. After Dorian Singer, you've got Mario Williams, who was the second best wide receiver at the start of the season behind Jordan Addison for USC last year, but then he got banged up and his effectiveness kind of went down with it. You've also got Brendan Rice, who finished um, the bowl game with a huge performance against Tulane. He had 38 fantasy points against Tulane in the bowl game. And then you've also got Taj Washington and Michael Jackson, who have been kind of package like personnel type players who haven't played full-time roles, but did have productive games last year. So here's the question that it becomes, if you're playing Caleb Williams, when you play college football DFS, usually stacking is the answer, usually. But there's situations where you can play a quarterback with no wide receivers. There's situations where you can play a quarterback with one wide receiver. There's situations where you want to play a quarterback with two wide receivers. Last year, you know, to think of the first example that comes to my mind, if you played Hendon Hooker with Jaywin Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, there were some really good days that you had. If you played him sometimes with Hyatt and Brew McCoy, you had some really good days. If you played him sometimes with just Hyatt, you had really good days. So, you know, it, the question is, is how much should I use for this slate with Caleb Williams? Well, here's the problem. All the top four are all very expensive. In fact, the top five are pretty expensive if you include Michael Jackson. So I don't want to play two of these guys when they're that expensive and I'm already playing Caleb Williams. That's going to really handcuff the rest of my lineup and how much I can spend with the rest of my lineup. So what I would probably recommend doing, especially with how expensive these guys are, is just playing one of them. And I also think it's viable to play none of them. I really do. Caleb Williams is a running quarterback. If he shows up and runs for four touchdowns in the first half against San Jose State and then he's out in the second, well, guess what? Your receiver that you stacked him with probably didn't get home. And so I could absolutely see situations where playing Caleb Williams unstacked is a viable option. Now, if I were to play any of these guys, I think my inclinations would be towards Singer because we have seen him be a productive wide receiver in a good offense before. Uh, and then I would also lean towards Brendan Rice. How many times year after year have we seen a guy have a big bowl game and just kind of parlay that into a bigger role next season? And so I kind of think he would be the candidate for that. He was effective when he played last year, just didn't play a whole lot. Uh, and so those would probably be the two that I would look at the most. But like I said, all five are legitimate options. If you're playing like single entry, you're probably going to have to make a stand. Um, 
But if you're playing multiple lineups, I, I see this as a good a situation as ever to just kind of, you know, mix and match. Like play, you know, just Singer with Williams or play just Rice with Williams. Play Rice and Jackson. Like just you can experiment with different ones. But I would say my two leans would be towards Singer and Brandon Rice. And it would be to, towards one of them as opposed to both of them. Now, USC's opponent, San Jose State, they've got an interesting situation heading into week zero because their number one wide receiver, Justin Lockhart, is questionable heading into this game. He has missed the most recent practice um, as of the recording of this video. Now, by the time you're watching, might he be totally healthy and active? Yeah, it's a possibility. But as of right now, he's listed as questionable. He would clearly be the wide receiver one to me if he does, in fact, play. Um, you do have Mazzotti, the tight end, as an option. And then the other two receivers that are listed as starters are Ross and Nash. But you're looking at a situation where if Lockhart doesn't play, I think you're going to see a lot of targets head towards Mazzotti, Ross, and Nash. And so I definitely think they're going to be probably popular plays, but they're also logical plays because they're going into a game against USC where they're probably going to be passing the ball a lot, probably going to get a lot of targets. Um, and if Lockhart's out, that's just one less mouth to feed, opens up a little bit higher target shares toward those other guys. So I definitely think that's a situation that you want to look into and you want to have updates prior to kickoff. Now, the other wide receiver room that I think is worth noting is Ohio. So Sam Wigloos was an absolute target monster for them last year, caught over 70 balls, almost got to a thousand yards. Um, and he was really good, like just really solid player last year, averaged almost 17 fantasy points per game. And, you know, he was a lot better when Curtis Rourke was the quarterback at the start of the year as opposed to what he saw from uh, C.J. Harris near the end of the year. So I definitely would be inclined to you know, have Wheelis like ranked a little higher in, in my mind for that reason. And I think his salary could have even been a little bit higher than where it was at. One thing I like about Ohio though, is that they were very predictable last year in three wide receiver sets. It was Wheelis, it was Jones, it was Cross. They didn't really play a whole lot of other guys. There was not really a whole lot of regular usage outside of those three guys. So the good news is with this team, you can just knock off a whole lot of other names from the list. Um, and those would be the three that I would hone in on to play from Ohio. Now, granted, does that mean that these three guys are going to be the only three that touch the field for Ohio. No. Any of these other wide receivers could go on the field and catch a 40-yard touchdown and score 11 fancy points. Like, that, that could happen. But what I'm telling you is over the course of a full season, these three guys were the main three that played, were the main three that accumulated targets and accumulated fancy points. And I definitely think that's an enviable situation for Week 0 where we've got a lot of uncertainty on a lot of different depth charts. Now, the New Mexico State depth chart I want to talk about because I was so, you know, keen on playing Diego Pavia. Well, Pavia is a running quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. So you can play him unstacked if you want, kind of like how I you know, talked about with Caleb Williams. But if you do end up going with um, one of you know Pavia's passing targets, David and Brady are the two that are listed as the starters. Um, you know, Both of them last year were kind of used sporadically. They'd go games without accumulating a catch, games you know, without being active, um, whether it was injury, whether it was usage, whatever. Um, they just weren't really super consistent, but you know, they did show signs and show flashes last game. So I wouldn't mind going with either of them if I was playing Diego Pavia. With how Pavia plays, though, I probably wouldn't play both of them with Diego Pavia. I'd probably stick to just one of them. I, I don't think you want to, you know, play a mobile quarterback with two wide receivers I, I, that weren't really super consistent last year. So I'd probably just be sticking to one of them. Now, another wide receiver worth mentioning is Louisiana Tech. Um, Smoke Harris 
was kind of the clear wide receiver one last year, you know, had pretty consistent usage. And against FIU, he had a pretty productive game. He had nine catches for 56 yards. Now, because you know, nine catches, that's really good in PPR formats, which is what DraftKings is. Uh, 56 yards was kind of a little low, but, you know, they just kind of use him as this guy that they get the ball to on screens, they get the ball to on short and intermediate routes. Very consistent usage, very high floor player. If I was playing cash games, he would be a guy that would for sure be in my cash game lineup. And, you know, that game last year against FIU, nine catches for 56 yards. Well, you know, what if he just happened to score once? Like that's 20 fantasy points right there if he still just comes up with 56 yards. So I, I really do like Smoke Harris for these Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. And then for FIU, a guy that I like is Chris Mitchell. Um, kind of along the same veins of Brennan Rice. He finished the season really strong, not necessarily in a bowl game because FIU didn't go to a bowl game, but just with you know the last few games, he played really well. He was used more consistently, um, you know, maxing out with a 22 point performance against the Charlotte 49ers. But you've got a guy that you know just is trending in the right direction. And, and when it comes to this FIU team, that the offense wasn't super consistent last year, it wasn't great last year. Um, Having a guy who's trending in the right direction in a game against Louisiana Tech that figures it might be a shootout, he's the guy I would pick from this core. But, you know, granted, you know, it's college football. These teams are going to run four wide receiver sets. There's going to be, you know, guys that are probably like absolute no names that score. If you're playing a lot of lineups, play some of those no names, like, and just, you know, try to see if you can find a guy that ends up scoring. But what I'm telling you is if you're playing one from FIU, make it Chris Mitchell. Now, the chalk wide receiver on the slate, the wide receiver that everybody is going to play, plays for Vanderbilt, and his name is Will Shepard. Will Shepard was, quite frankly, Vanderbilt's best wide receiver last year, and he was pretty solid. He had 60 catches, almost 800 yards, nine touchdowns, like not bad. And at the start of the season in non-conference, before he started playing SEC defenses, he was really good, scoring 18, 14, and 42 fantasy points in those three games. 18.9, notably, uh, against Hawaii, who they're playing again this year. So if he's their best receiver and he's returning to pretty much the same role that he left, why is he the third-priced wide receiver on DraftKings? Why is he $1,400 cheaper than McGowan? I don't know. But what I think you're going to see is I think everybody is going to notice that just by looking at the game logs and by you know just knowing names, Will Shepard's the underpriced wide receiver. And so he's going to be the guy that a lot of people play. So again, kind of like what I said with Caleb Williams, am I telling you not to play this guy because a lot of people are playing him? No, that is not what I'm about. What I'm telling you is just keep in mind that especially if you play these tournaments, you don't want to play all the same guys that everybody else is playing. You want to find just a few ways to be different, and there are plenty of ways to be different like we've already talked about with guys that are going to be featured with low ownership. And so, you know, kind of think about it. If you're new to college football DFS, think about it kind of like a March Madness bracket pool, right? Like you don't want to pick the number one overall seed to win the tournament because then even if they do win, you have to beat out all the other brackets that, you know, pick them to win the tournament. So um, it's kind of the same concept here. You don't want to pick Caleb Williams and Will Shepard and um, Dorian Singer all in the same lineup. Like that's probably going to be a recipe for a lot of ownership and you're going to have to really depend on getting your other picks right if you want to. Um, have a profitable day. So like I said, am I saying to not play Will Shepard? No. Am I saying that he's going to be high owned? Yes. So keep in mind when you play him, you're going to have to find other ways to be different in your lineup. All right. So 
That does it for the wide receiver position, and that does it for this college football week zero DFS preview. Remember, if you want more of me, head on over to Twitter. Give me a follow at Mike's Money Picks. We'll also be talking up any start, sit, lineup questions, you know, who, who am I playing, who am I not playing in the fantasy corner discord with a lot of other guys who play college football DFS as well. And then also I'll be writing my full article with my core plays, with ownership, with, you know, kind of last minute thoughts onto Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Now, if you made it this far on YouTube, please hit the like button. It really does help me out a lot. And hit the subscribe button. You'll be notified when all of the new episodes drop. If you're listening on audio, please rate and review. It really does help me out a lot, and I really do appreciate it. So hopefully, was able to give you guys some information here on this episode that will help you win some college football week zero DFS contests. And I'm hoping that you guys you know, enjoyed this enough and got enough information that you will come back next week for week one, two, three, four, and all the way till the national championship game in 2024. This is the last year of college football as we know it. So I'm really looking forward to it kicking off. I'm really looking forward to watching this year. And and I love college football DFS. It's one of my most profitable sports that I play along with college basketball. So hopefully I was able to give you guys some good information. Hopefully I was able to keep you guys entertained as well. Thank you guys for watching and listening and I will see you next time.